what you have taught us as we walk through our Sunday school lessons. We just thank you, Lord, that you're not an author of confusion, but you make everything clear. So, Lord, we pray that you just use this time so, to illuminate your word, that we might understand, that we might see what it is that you would have for us. And, Lord, as, as we grapple with your word this morning, help us to learn how to be content. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I actually want to pick up reading at verse 4. Now, this is what we talked about last week, but I want to pick up reading from verse 4. Because I believe that verse 4 through verse 9 gives us the, the secret or gives us the way to counteract not being content. And we talked about that last week about rejoicing in the Lord. But we'll revisit it again this morning. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, Rejoice! Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Y'all wonder why, who, if you want to hear last week, why is he screaming? Y'all saw that exclamation point. The, the author wanted us to be excited about rejoicing in the Lord. He wanted us to be excited about giving our thanks to God for what he has done for us. In verse 6 it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but everything, your prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then we get to our text for this morning. And it says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Indeed, you have been, oh, sorry, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but had no opportunity to show it. And I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. So we're going to stop there. Because Paul starts with saying he had learned to be content. So the first thing we want to understand about contentment, it's a learned behavior. It's something you, you're not born with being content. It's something you learn how to do. And Paul just didn't say, I, I'm going to learn to be content in just some of my situations, the good situation. He said, I learned to be content in whatever the circumstance. Whatever, whatever it is that Paul was going through, he says, I've learned how to be content. Let's define this word content before we move on. Content, the word literally means self-sufficient, adequate, needing no assistance. Self-sufficient, adequate, needing no assistance. When we think about that word content, meaning you don't need anything else. You have every 
everything you need. And you view your life in that manner. That you are content. You have everything you need. You don't need anything else. And Paul says, I've learned to be content. You know, you can, there's it, some things come up and you're just not going to be happy with it. You're just not going to be satisfied with it. You're not going to be feeling self-sufficient or adequate when you go through some bad times. And Paul is saying, I've learned this secret. And, and then he's going to tell us what the secret is. Keep going. It says, um, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being contented in and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Now listen, listen. Whether living in plenty or in want. Listen, there has been times where you can go hungry. And I don't know about you, Pastor Bell's vouch. Being hungry ain't a good time. Paul says, even when I'm hungry or well-fed, even when I'm living in what, if I need something or if I'm living in plenty, or if I have everything I need and more, I've learned the secret to being content. It says in verse 13, I can do everything through him who gives be strength. That's the secret. He says, I've learned the secret. The secret is I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I want to look at this issue of contentment for a second. And I, I started to look at why, why are we not content? What are some of the things that happen to us to make us not content? And one of the things I came to, that I, I feel like there were were three main things, there's a lot more, but three main things that I see in the Christian community that causes us not to be content. It's a manifestation of pride. Meaning, it's our pride that steps in the way. And we talked about this in Sunday school, about entitlement. As Christians, we get this sense of entitlement that I don't have to, I don't deserve to go through anything bad. Listen, I'm a Christian, I don't deserve to go hungry. I don't deserve, I got a good job. I don't deserve to be, to be wanting food. I got, I got everything I need. I should have joy. I should have peace. I should have all these things. I don't deserve to go through bad times. That's a Christian's entitlement. And what, it, what we learned in Sunday school, what we entitled to what? Hell. That's what we're entitled to. We're entitled to hell. We're entitled, based on what we lived and how we lived in the past, we're entitled to hell. But by the grace of God, God has saved our souls, and now we have the gift of eternal life. But entitlement can creep in. And it's a pride thing. It's saying that I am better than this. I deserve better than this. And when we go through our situations, if we got a, a, our mindset and our, our, our visions on us, alone, we're focused on the wrong thing. Because sometimes we can go through things for somebody else. I can give you some examples. My wife gets the opportunity to share with ladies who have lost children because she's lost a child. We get to share with kids about having a kid with autism because we have a kid with autism. Sometimes the situations we go through don't, aren't for us but they're for people around us. 
And, and, and if we go back to the very beginning of this chapter, what we read is if we think about it in the right way and rejoice in the Lord always, if we rejoice about those situations and circumstances that we're going through, that'll keep us from having pride. Because when we rejoice, we rejoice in the Lord. We're, we're acknowledging that God is the one that provided us this stuff. God is the one that has given us this peace. God is the one that has taken care of us. And if we rejoice in the Lord, keep our minds on the right things, thinking about the right things, it's going to dictate our actions. It's going to dictate how we live and what we go through. Now, it might not be good things. The Bible never says we're going to have good things and have nothing to worry about. But it does say that we will be able to trust him and trust that he will lead us and guide us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Look what it says in the, in the Sunday school lesson. I, I, had, to, I had to bring this up because the Sunday school lesson had it right here. I, it wasn't me that said this. It was the Sunday school lesson. It says, entitlement creeps in when we look around at our circumstances and begin to foster the idea that we deserve something better than the situation or circumstances in which we find ourselves. That sense of entitlement is a lie. We aren't entitled to better things. You know, that's contrary to what our, our health and wealth prophets and teachers have taught us, right? What you see on TV, that God died on the cross, and by his stripes you are healed. By his stripes you should be healed, and you should, you should have cancer because by his stripes you are healed. But that's not what that's talking about. But they misinterpret that scripture. By his stripes, you have been saved. By his stripes, you have been healed from the sin, from the, uh, the, the what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the condemnation of sin. Thank you. And because of that, that's why Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. But pride isn't the only thing that causes us to be have not have contentment. Contentment is a fruit of unbelief. It's a fruit of unbelief. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'll tell you. It says, you know, we don't believe God is with us. We don't believe God is going to be for us. We don't believe God is going to take care of our situations. We don't believe. It's a fruit of unbelief. So when we don't believe, we think we got to do it and take it into our own hands. And when we take it into our own hands, that is what causes us to become discontented, not being happy, not being joyful, because we're looking at God and saying, well, why are you, why are you not here for me? Why are you not saving my parents? Why are you not healing my brother? Why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing that? And when we look around and we see the situations sometimes our kids go through or sometimes our family members go through or even ourselves, we look and we say, well, why, God? Why I got to go through that? The children of Israel did that in the wilderness. They got to, they, they, the children of Israel, they, they had been delivered from Egypt, brought across the Red Sea. God did this great thing by opening up the Red Sea, walking across on dry land, gave them food to eat every day, and they get to this place and there is no water. And they, they, you'll find that story in Exodus 17. And they find no water. And, and, and it's a legitimate need. We need water, right? It's a legitimate concern. But they got disgruntled. 
Well, you brought us here. We ain't got no water to drink. God, are you with us? Are you among us? And they, they quarreled with, it, the, the Bible says they quarreled with Moses. After all that had happened in the past, they worried about this one little thing of water. God has already provided them everything else, but they worried about this one little thing of water. And Moses, God tells Moses, take your staff, get the elders, strike the rock. And when he struck the rock, water flowed through. But it didn't change the fact that they got so, so captivated and so caught up in this one little thing of not having water that they, they started to dis be disgruntled, not being satisfied for where they're at, not being happy with where they were, not being joyful and rejoicing for what God has done for them. They were just concerned about the one thing that they didn't have, our thoughts, how we think about things, how we think about things judges and will dictate our actions. Then the last one, the last one I think is one that really hits me, is discontentment stems from covetousness slash envy. Covetousness, or when you covet something that somebody else has. Or you're envy, or you're jealous of what somebody else has. Basically, we're comparing ourselves to others. Y'all heard the phrase, keep it up with the Joneses? Y'all know, know that phrase, right? Keep it up with the Joneses. What, what, what that means? That means that we just simply try to keep up with what's latest. What's the latest and greatest. And we keep up, we look around, and we see that we see that our neighbor down the street got this brand new nice Mercedes Benz, and now we want a nice new Mercedes Benz. Because why? We deserve a nice new Mercedes Benz, right? Or we look at somebody else and see that they got the new iPhone, and we like, well, I don't want a new iPhone. We covet, we compare ourselves to others. And we it, it's it's not just when we look around, we do it on social media all the time. We'll scroll through people's feeds, and we'll see somebody on this exotic trip to some exotic island. And we're like, well, I want to be on some trip to some exotic island. And we look at what they have, and we compare with what we have or what we don't have. And when we do that, we find ourselves becoming upset or disgruntled with what, we, what God has given us. We look at people and see what they have. And we look at what people have gone through. And when we look at Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, all those things are highlight reels. People don't post the fights. People don't post the bad things that they go through. They only post the positive. And so when we see this highlight reel of other people's lives and we see all the things that they have, we look at our lives and we're like, man, I don't have that. I would like that. We compare our kids with other kids. If somebody's kids gets a straight A, well, they go to some bad school. That school, don't, that ain't school ain't as hard as my kid's school. And we justify it, right? Or, or, or we see, oh, that, that kid, he's a really good basketball player. Well, that's because that's all they do is, they, what's their grades like? What they grade, because all, all he do is practice basketball. We, we compare, and then we justify. Oh, I, I, I guess I'm the only one that does this. Oh, I, I, let, me, let me see if I can find some, some people here. Body images. We see people, we like, oh, they, all, they can, all they do is work out. All, they, they got all that time to work out, but what they do, what kind of job they got? What, what, how often they working at their job? You can't spend all day in the gym. <laughs> and we, we look at what people 
have and we look at what they look like. Now, I got a brother-in-law. My brother-in-law is a personal trainer. And so I see him. I'm like, dang, that dude's that dude fit. And I'm looking at myself, my gut, and I'm like, man, I would. And I compare myself to him. And I'm like, man, I wish I could be more like him. Not thinking about all the things God has blessed me with. We get caught up in looking at other people and comparing our lives to them. And we covet and we're envy of that. And we look through and And, and don't, don't let it be somebody you don't like either. Or, or somebody that get on your nerves and you see they feed and they, they celebrating something that's positive. All the bad things that you think about. You're like, well, that person, that, this, and they don't. And, and, and we compare. And we ended up being upset and disgruntled. And we aren't satisfied with our lives because of what we see in a highlight reel of other people. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Be satisfied. You know, we, we look at kids. Look, listen, listen, listen to me, young people. Because my, my fear is this. Social media, they, they, they saw that kids have been killing themselves and committing suicide on a up. It, it's a, I wish I had the statistic. But the, the amount of kids killing themselves has been on the rise. The amount of kids that are committing suicide is on an all-time high. And it's, it tracks almost perfectly to the amount of uh, social media usage. As social media usage went up, kids started to kill themselves more. Part of it's cyberbullying. Part of it is silent, but I also believe that part of it is because kids are comparing their lives with other kids. And then they're starting to feel that they're not worth anything. They don't have it like everybody else, like another kid. They don't, they don't, they don't have it as well as this person or this person. But they don't realize that all kids are struggling and going through the exact same things. Even when we were in school, it's the same thing. It's just more publicized. You, th you see one kid and you think that that kid is popular and he got it going on. And he you don't realize that that kid's parents is an alcoholic and drug addict. And you don't know the struggles that they're going through. All we see are the, what people allow you to see, these facades. Be very careful about that. Thank you, Nikki, for putting that up there. It says suicides is the 10th leading cause for death in the U.S. In 2017, 47,173 Americans died by suicide. In 2017, there were estimated 1.4 million suicide attempts. And this is everybody. Suicides and self-injury cost the U.S. $69 billion. That's just from everybody trying to commit suicide. And it comes from a lack of contentment. Going through situations and not rejoicing in the Lord. I can, I can, you know, I can believe that about non-Christians, right? Because non-Christians have no hope. But for us who are in the body of Christ, us who are, should have our faith and hope in Jesus Christ, 
we should be able to counteract those statistics. But I, I bet the statistics are the exact same for the church. You have pastors committing suicide. And I didn't mean to go down this suicide road, but, but it's, it's important to understand when we start to compare and get focused on what we don't have, and our thinking gets caught up in what we don't have, we are going down a dangerous road. We're going down a dangerous road of anxiety and discontent. The Bible says that do not be anxious for nothing, but everything in prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. You know, there's a lot of people in Hollywood wish they had peace. They got a lot of money. They don't have no peace. Let, let me, matter of fact, let me read to you this, this article I read the other day. It's talking about Bethesda, Bethesda, Maryland. And Bethesda, Maryland, is the Bethesda area residents are among the best educated, highest paid, healthiest people in the nation. Most of the people there, they, the article said, have secondary education, have secondary degrees. So they have masters or PhDs in something. Most of the residents. It says, so why are the people complaining about not being happy? They, they, the article goes on, and I'll, I'll summarize this article, but let me read this one little paragraph to you. It says, in our old neighborhood, people were never satisfied with what they had because they always wanted more says an artist and a mother of two who moved from Bethesda to Germantown, partly to get away from that. Everybody was always getting the latest gadget or the hottest workout gear or checking in with each other so they could try to keep up with getting the best. But trying to keep up wasn't making them happy, and their discontent was practically contagious. You got these smart, educated folks that are never satisfied. They're looking for something. They're looking and they're comparing themselves to this person. Oh, that person got the latest workout gear. I need to get the latest workout gear. Oh, that person just got a brand new million dollar house. I need to get a brand new million dollar house. And, and they're constantly comparing each other. And it says that they were just unhappy. And then the fact that they, they were always on social media, they didn't have any real relationships. They didn't have any real connections with human beings. That's why we ask you to come to church. Because you can watch t church from, t from home, right? You can, be, you can be at home and you can, you can get a good word at home. There's a lot of good preachers. I mean, there's a lot of bad ones too. But there's some good ones on TV. You can get you a good word at home. That's not why we come to church. We come to church partly to get fed and to be edified. But other reason, like we do at Sunday school, is to share. So that people will know that you're struggling with something and that you can go through things. And how you got over, and that gives them hope to, they can get over. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 24, let us work, spur one another on to love and good deeds. As we see the day approaching. That's why we come to church. To encourage each other. So that we can go out and live this Christian life as a unit. We can encourage each other and we can go out and live it. That's why we do what we do here. That's why Sunday school and Bible study are so important. Because you can't talk in this situation.
Sunday morning, you know, you're just getting edified and you're getting encouraged through the word of God. But in Sunday school, you, we, we have, allow everybody to talk in Sunday school. And you can share the problems and the situations you're going through. That's why Sunday school is so important. That's why Bible study is important. As we go through the word, you can interact with the word and you can ask questions. And you can say, oh, well, this is what God is saying to me about this. So new creation, let us never forget what's important. Let us never forget that the word of God is important, but we are here to encourage each other, be a family, and help each other get through this life called the Christian life. But Paul doesn't say stop there. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, we, we sometimes like to use that as a rubber stamp for what we want to do. We want to use that as, oh, I want to I wanna go and I want to try to lift 300 pounds. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You better have tried to lift 300 pounds before. Because if you ain't tried to lift it before, you, you can do all things, but you ain't going to lift that 300-pound thing off your chest. Listen, listen. What, God is, what Paul is saying is, like, I've learned how to be in want and be in need. And you know, sometimes the problem is it's not the times when we have want. It's not the times when we are hungry, because we always look to God when we don't have. It's the times when we have plenty. When things are going good and the bank account is full and, and we can buy and get whatever we want and we got enough money for food, those are the times we got to watch out for. Those are the times we got to learn how to be content. Because when we have, we start to de depend less on God and depend more on ourselves. That's where pride steps in. Says, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I can buy that. Oh, I can, yeah, I got, I got money for food. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. And we lose sight of what's important. We lose sight. And so when we see this, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's, it, it says everything for a reason. We can do those things, but it's not just the rubber stamp the things we want to do. It's the rubber, it's to help us to be content and learn how to get through those situations and we can learn how to be how we can rejoice and think positively about those things but he doesn't stop there let us get to the close he says verse 14 yet it was good for you to share in my troubles moreover as Philippians know in the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel when I set out from Macedonia not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Don't, don't miss this. Philippians were a giving church. They always was giving to Paul and helping him out. And Paul is saying, they, you, you never miss the opportunity to give. Verse 17, it says, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent. Listen, Paul said, I have everything I need now. That Paul, that Ephroditus has brought this gift. But, but don't miss this about the Philippians. They were giving church. Look what it says. It says, they are a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. It wasn't just a, uh, they just gave him a little bit. They gave him a great offering. 
something that was pleasing to God. But look what it says in verse 19. This is, I love this verse. It says, and my God will be all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know, we want to just jump to that verse and, not, and we want to just skip over all the verses talking about the Philippians giving. In order for Christ and God to take care of our needs, we got to give. And, and this was talking about money, but it's not just money that we talk about. Give your time, give your talents. They were a giving church. And New Creation, we're no different. We're a giving church. I'm excited about our opportunity to give to Pastor Bell. And we're going to add Pastor Bell on to the, all the other churches we give to. New Creation Bible Church, Fort Worth. Uh, New Breed Grace. Blueprint Church. We give to Roma Ministries, who's, who has an orphanage in uh, uh, Ethiopia. We give to the BGCT. We give to DBA. All of which support go to supporting missions and missionaries. We give all this money away. And we're not a big church. But I guarantee you, if you compare us to a lot of these churches, we, we, will, we will far out past them in giving. But you know what? Because we gave, we can look around and we can see this building. And we can see a half-filled sanctuary and see that God gave us this building. We couldn't afford this building. We couldn't afford this building if we tried to buy it. God gave us this building. We can look outside and look at that van. God gave us that van for very cheap. Allowed us to give the red van to another church to bless them. So when we look around and we look at new creation, we're a giving church. So we can apply this verse. Our God will meet all our needs according to his riches and glory. What is God's riches? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns everything. So anything that we need, God can provide it for us. Anything we need. And he goes on, he says, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Just a parenthetical note, just a side note. We see all the people who were in Caesar's household. Remember at the beginning of the book where Paul was in chains? And he says, I know that I'm in chains to advance the gospel. He just tells us what the gospel result was. There were people saved in Caesar's, Caesar's household. And he goes on to say, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you, your spirit, amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for allowing us to walk through your scripture. We thank you for allowing us to understand your word. We thank you for dealing with us where we're at. Now, Lord, we pray that you just allow us to be content. Help us to learn that secret. To look to you to give us the strength to be content in any and everything that we deal with. 